Whoa. Whoa, it's the illusion reporting from somewhere on Spaceship Earth for another meeting of Sober Wednesdays here, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time on the uh, west coast of California. Hold on. Wednesday thing. Okay. Unless you want to be the guest. Well, I've got, I've got a job. Okay. I love you. Bye. All right. It is another installment of Sober Wednesdays where the uh, we spend an hour of our week together. This time is dedicated to alcoholics, addicts, anybody who's addicted, and people who want to observe and maybe hear a way to get closer to God. This is ultimately an hour dedicated with removing the shadows in our life and our hindrances in our life to get us closer to God, go closer to a solution, living a fuller, more abundant life. And uh, yeah, so... The basic parameters of this are this meeting runs for an hour. I guess it's not a meeting. It's a stream. The stream streams for an hour. I ask that anyone who does not, I ask is this there be this, this like a serious hour that, that anybody commenting, please keep it courteous, friendly, and helpful. If you do not suffer from something preventing you from getting closer to God, maybe just listen and observe. And uh, again, this is a community reality. So uh, there's people that have achieved sobriety or overcome their addictions in various ways. And uh, let's help each other out. Let's get, let's get to a... Uh, a positive place. There's a lot of people struggling right now, as we know. Uh, the, the 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 tidal wave of opiates is here in our country, and and it's it's a real deal. There's pharmaceuticals everywhere. There's there's alcohol everywhere. There's despair everywhere. There's lots of reasons to be upside down right now. So let's uh, lift lift people up and. Um, Let's let's move it. Let's move the let's move it forward, dude. Um. All right. All right. We got you, Charlie. We got you, Charlie. I've no, I've known Charlie for for a bit. We've talked on the phone a couple of times, man. And I and I know. I hope you're all right, brother. Do you feel like having our loved ones around you in general helping you stay sober? I'm just trying to quit smoking, but I find it hard to have motivation if I'm just doing it for myself. This is the only person you can do it for is yourself. Uh, that's that's the only person you can do it for is yourself. Is 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 and that self has parents and children and wives and husbands and obligations. So it's uh yeah, don't quit, return back to your natural state. If you're struggling with this cigarette if you're struggling with the cigarettes, there's a pretty easy book 
to read called The Easy Way by Alan Carr. It, uh, I put my last cigarette out in uh, 2011, Lake Forest Boulevard, October 30th, I think, dude. And I've never, never, ever returned back to that state again. So uh, it's, it's one of those things. It, you really have to do it for yourself. That's the, only, that's the only way it works from what I've observed and experienced. If you're doing it for other people, you're going to fail because uh, that's, a, that's a trap. So with that said, we will vert. We'll uh, did my buddy one read and bye bye. So did my buddy one read and bye bye. Whoa, it's Wednesday, yeah. And uh, with that said, all right, weed is one of the hardest to quit completely. Not really. They're all the same thing. Look. All of it's the same thing. I know that's that seems sort of blasé, dude. Food, cigarettes, coffee. I'll tell you the hardest one is, is caffeine, for sure. Sugar is brutal. But but all of them are, are it's all about making it. All right, you're out of here, dude. I'll, I'll let you have see where we go one more time. And uh, like what all it is, is about making a decision. I helped this one dude out that I, I worked for. I'll tell the story in a minute. I, remind me to tell the story about the, the dude that I worked for. And uh, well, that's a good place to start. So the first thing we generally do is read how it works from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. This is a template for uh, how it works to uh, get rid of your shadows. You can replace the word alcohol with whatever it may be, food, porn, cigarettes, bad attitude, whatever's keeping you from God, because this is a spiritual program, and um, that's really what it's all about. There's one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And reason most people can't find him now is there's a lot of stuff in the way, a lot of shadows in, in the thing, a lot, of, a lot of stuff hidden in the closet of our, uh, of our subconscious and our conscious and uh, we're spending a lot of time keeping that from coming to the surface. And the, the goal is to get that to the surface, make peace with it, give it back to God and move on, dude. And be of service to our fellow human beings. So how it works. I added Jonathan Gardner. Like, I don't think you're actually going to be a help here. So maybe don't chime in, dude. Bathel. Keep Jonathan Gardner on an eye on on that one. You have full permission to delete. Same with you, Charlie. I'll I'll let Charlie and Bathel decide your your fate, man. Whether you're being a, a help. Bye. Here, let me help you out, dude. There we go. Handled. Handled. <laughs> All right, how it works. Chapter five of the big book, page 58. Rarely have I seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They've seemed to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. 
There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do if many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you have then you are ready to take certain steps. So at some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us, but there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made his decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God, have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried tried to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what in order? I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C, that God couldn't would if he were sought. All right, man. It's, it's funny reading that. It, it, it really is. It, it ties into what we were, I talked about on the earlier stream. Having, you know... Our job, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried, tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. I, I think that the word tried is interesting because it means that we're fallible and that we, we're doing our very best, that we claim no no authority. The, the only authority is God because, right, in, cha- in step three, we turned our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, right? So I think that 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 the twelve steps are really what I was talking about in this 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 thing earlier today about being wary of anybody who's trying to dictate reality and put themselves between you, God, sobriety, and any of this thing because it says right there is um, 
it says right in here, which I've always thought is a super helpful thing. And, and I would give this to anybody who's attempting to get sober right now. This is a super important piece of data. Um, uh, where is it, dude? For just a second. Um, Ah, uh, dude, where is it, dude? Hold on. Ah, uh, this is a suggest. Where does it say this is a suggested program of? Oh, this is so. This is the key to the thing that I, I would caution anyone who's newly getting sober, anyone who comes at with you and tells you what to do. You need to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this in order to work with me. That's ego. That's ego. This is the the truth and the the key to this whole thing. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. This book is a suggestion. This is not the end-all, be-all. This is a suggestion of a path. And anyone who gets on their high horse and tells you, you have to do this or you have to do that, they're blowing smoke because this is a suggestion. And if anyone had told me I had to do anything, Kick rocks. I'm an American, right? So again, this is a suggestion. This is it. This isn't the only way. This is a, a path that works for a lot of people. Has gotten a lot of people to maintain sobriety, and realize that maintaining sobriety is what it is. It's this isn't the cure. There's no cure, dude. Is and those who who think there is a cure that you don't have to maintain your sobriety are whistling through the graveyard, I would suggest. But then again, to, uh, to those who, who go on the, the journey to each, it's different. So I'll, I'll share a story, dude. Uh, yeah, I've I've looked at the Jordan Peterson stuff. There's some valuable information. Clean your room, dude. I mean, that's it's all this, dude, in a different format, basically, dude. I mean, Jordan, the the whole thing, Jordan, clean your room is it made a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves. It's basically clean your room, dude, and and um so 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 thank you, Isaiah. So so uh, I was I was two, three years sober, right? I was three years sober and I'd learned the value of myself in, in the process of being sober. And what I mean by the value of myself is when I was in actively in my drug abuse and alcoholism and, and craziness and, and all of that stuff, I lived by the model of lack. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this, I don't have enough drugs, I don't have enough booze, I don't have enough, ah, I'm just hanging on by a thread, right? And so I begin to achieve sobriety. I'm about three years into this thing. And I realized that, that the, one of the important things I needed to learn was the ability to say no to people. No, I don't want to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And, and the reason I was able to say no to people is because I learned how to say yes to people right? And mean it. For when I say yes, I'm going to do something. I mean it because when I say no, I'm not going to do something. I mean it as well. Because again, this is a program of thorough honesty. 
And what, what we find, or I found, is in the midst of my addiction and alcoholism, I was a fence sitter. I didn't want to say no. I didn't want to say yes. I was. I wanted to just get by. I just wanted to like move the ball down the court. I just wanted another drink. I just didn't want any more problems. Ah. So I would say yes to all sorts of things, and I would, and I really wanted to say no to all sorts of things, and I would, I would say no to things that I wanted to say yes to, and because I, my compass, I was insane, dude. I, my life was unmanageable. I was powerless over over everything and anything, and people, places, things, then ah, substances and craziness, right? So I'm about three years into the thing, and I learned that that. I was a carp I was being I was an active carpenter at the time, right? I'm an inactive carpenter at this this phase of my life. So I was an active carpenter at the time and I had started working for this dude, right? And and how it works in carpentry is is you work for people, you finish a job, you might go work for someone else, you move to a new job with that person or you you just things just happen. You just, you just kind of like, you get into a circle and you get a a bunch of numbers and you're an independent contractor and you kind of move around and you do your thing. So I was, I had worked for this dude a couple times and he, he fully dug my work and was like into what I was doing. And, um, so he called me up and he was like, Hey man, I got a job for you, dude. And I, I'm, where's the job? He's like, well, it's over in Agura. And if you don't know the landscape of Agura is over the hill from Ma- I was living in Malibu at the time. So Malibu is, is on the beach, Agura's inland. And I had, a, at that time, I'd established a firmly set rule as I don't work outside of Malibu. I just, I don't, it's just not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. I just don't do it. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. I'm sober. I get to make these kinds of decisions. In my alcoholism, in my active addiction, I would have said yes because I had to say yes because my life was out of control and I need the money and ah, and I got to do some blow and because ah, and, ah, I'm, you know, out of control. But now that I regained some semblance of, of God-based authority over my life, right, I was like, I don't work outside of Malibu. I'm not taking jobs that that I'm not going to enjoy. I don't want to drive. I don't want to do all this stuff. And it it wasn't, it it isn't, yeah, I'm that kind of, I can be that way. It's a a character defect and a character blessing. So this dude called me up. He's like, hey, I got this job. I really need you to come and do some finished carpentry for me. And I'm like, look, I don't, I'm not going to work over the hill. He's like, come on, man. I go, nah, I'm not doing it, dude. I don't want the job, dude. He's like, he's like, all right. And he calls me back like two days later. He's like, he's like, I, I really need you on this job, dude. And I'm like, I don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to. And so my next thing was like, I don't, I, at the time I didn't have a car. I was like, I don't have a car. <laughs> I don't have a car, dude. I like, I can't get there, dude. He's like, well, I got a car for you, dude. And I'm like, look, dude, like, I'm like, no, dude, I, I don't want the job. I, he's like, I got a car for you, the whole thing. It's fine, dude. Just, I just need you to come do this job for me. And I'm like, nah, it's cool. I don't, want, I don't, I don't care. I don't want, I don't want to leave Malibu. I'm not going to do it, dude. And you have to understand this level of my sobriety. I'd regained a certain aspect of of self 
right? At, at, up into that point, the early sobriety, like I'd just been hanging on and doing what I needed to do and going to meetings and just just scraping by. But I was a couple years into it and I was living in my little, my little, my little home that I had finally found for myself. And I was doing my art and making YouTube videos and doing the thing. And I was generating a new reality. And I was like, I don't need to go do this because my, my doors were starting to open for me. Right. So this dude calls me back like three days later again. He's like, look, dude, like seriously, like I really need you to come and help me on this job, dude. And I was like the rule of threes, right? I'm like, ah, oh, dude, this dude's asked me a third time, dude. All right, fine. I'll, I'll do the job, dude. Where's the car, dude? Where's the truck? He's like, I'll have it dropped off tomorrow, dude. And you can come meet me at this job. And I'm like, all right, man. And a little backstory. This dude knew I was sober because... When I was working for him the first time, I got the job via buddy thing and I was working and, and I was that dude. I was just sober guy. And I was one day I was working with this other dude, my friend Bob, who I knew his brother was he was working with us. This is an interesting story. I'm going to back up a little bit. This is an interesting story again of the gifts of sobriety, right? So I'm working with this dude, and one of the things that my spiritual advisor, Joe, had taught me on, on the path of, of sobriety is there's no accidents. God will put you, if you've truly turned, and this is a super important part of the whole deal, but you got to get there first, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, Right. So my buddy's like, Joe is like, dude, there's no accidents, dude. You, you're, wherever you're supposed to be, it's because God wants you to be there now. Now that you've achieved sobriety, now that you've dealt with step one, admitted we were powerless over alcohol and then our lives are unmanageable. Okay, I'm powerless and my life's unmanageable. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Okay, I'm insane, dude. I need to be restored to sanity. So once you kind of deal that you, and you turn your life over to God, no longer do you get to be like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be and a you don't get to be victim anymore. You're, you've turned it over to God. So you've, you've given management and power to God to, to run the show for you because you're insane, right? So my buddy's like, whatever, whatever you're doing, you're supposed to be there and, and moving forward because your primary purpose as a sober person, my primary purpose, and it says so right here is, is, I tried to carry the message of alcoholics and practice these principles in all of our affairs, right? My primary purpose as a sober alcoholic is to be of service, right? And my buddy was like, wherever you are, there will always be somebody that needs you to be of service to them. Whether it's somebody you showing up on time or it's you being there for the alcoholic who's struggling and they'll figure it out. So I was at this job, right? And I'm working on this job and I, and I would remember I was, I was, putting these stairs together. I had this gnarly thing where I was putting these like floating wooden stairs together that were, you know, each tread was like $500 of some sort of crazy, like hardwood or oak or something, dude, from some sort of far off realm, dude. So I, I was doing this process where I had to get to put, place each one of these. It was like, the, and this dude was like, just take your time. Just, you know, as a finished carpenter, you get to kind of just like do your thing. 
So the one dude who was working right next to me was this dude, Bob. And I knew his brother from surfing from like 20 years before. And Bob, Bob had, uh, was, I forget what he was doing. He was either, he was doing something for the dude, but this dude was a, a, a pool finisher, but he was working on this jobs job because he needed the money, he had kids in this whole thing. So I'm working with Bob and one day we're working, I'm working on the stairs and he's working on something right next to me. I forget what it was. And we got to talking and we're talking and working and, you know, this dude and he's like, and I, somehow sobriety came up and he's like, yeah, I struggle. I'm struggling with this. So we're talking, I'm giving him the solution as I'm doing to you. I'm sharing my story with it. I'm like two years sober at the time. I'm sharing my story, but the, the, the boss, the dude I'm working for overhears all this. And, and at the, that lunch, he comes back. He's like, I didn't know you were like sober guy. He's like, I should have known, dude, you're always on time. And I blah, 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 blah. And I go, yeah, yeah, totally. Man. Cause I'm super upfront about it. I don't, I don't live by the anonymity rule for me personally. And so this dude knew I was sober. This guy I worked for, and I helped my friend Bob. And this is what's cool. This was a, one of these moments of life where I passed a certain test. So the, it was coming up to Christmas and the dude came down and was like, look, we're getting close to the end of the job. I'm, I've, there's only, only, we're doing this other work and I only need like three people instead of five, right? And so the one dude, you're not going to go and, and Bob, you're, I'm going to let let you go too. It's not like you're fired. Just like we're, we're wrapping you up. And, and I'm like, and I go, Hey, look, I go, I'm not going to name my boss's name, but I was like, Hey, I'm, how about I, this is right before I go to Chile, by the way, I don't have any money at the time. If you go back to my thing, this is the Christmas before I leave for Chile. I don't have any, I'm working, I'm trying to save my money to go to Chile, but this moment comes up right before Christmas and this dude's like, I'm, I'm going to keep these two dudes and, and you and Bob and this other dude's got to go. And I go, hey, look, man, can you keep Bob on? And, and, and I go, Bob's got a wife and a child. I go, I don't, I don't know how, I, dude, I'm, I'm trying to save up to go to Chile, dude. <laughs> like, like this, it's Christmas, dude. Like give this dude the job, right? And so I, I leave that job and I give the job to Bob, dude. And it, it's one of those things that even like telling the story, I feel good about. Cause like when push came to shove right at Christmas, I could have been like, well, I need to line my own pockets, but I gave my job to the dude with the child and a wife who needed, who was desperately needed the work at the time, like really needed the work. I didn't, even though I did, I didn't, you get what I'm saying? So so I left this job on like a great vibe with the boss and everybody on the crew. They're like, wow, way to, way to like step up and take one for the team, dude. And I'm like, yeah, I did, of course, bro. And the next day I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to afford this trip to Chile. And then you saw, if you go back to my old videos, you can see what, what happens there. So this dude calls me up about a year or so later, year and a half later. And it's like, Hey, look, I got you on this job. He said, he asked me, he said, I got a car for you on this whole thing and this and that. And I go, I remember when he calls me the third time I go, okay, this is God telling me I'm supposed to go to Agura for this job. I don't want to go to, ah, dude, I don't want to go to this job. I want to do this. I want to go surfing, ah, whatever. So I go to this job, right? 
And I go to this job with my primary purpose is to be of service to another alcoholic. I go, the reason I'm going to this job that I don't want to go to in a place I don't want to go to is because there's another alcoholic there who is suffering and God wants me to go there to carry the message of sobriety, right? It seems kooky, but it's not. So I go to this job and I'm there the second day. And, and I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I think I was putting hardy board soffits. It was just like, I go, this job sucks. And I didn't need me. But it was like, it was one of those things like you need someone who's skilled with the saw, dude. And uh, I, was, I was like one of these things. I got, I hired a buddy to work with me, dude. The last white dude I'll ever hire. He, he split. Like, so I was putting these soffits up, these big hardy board soffits. They must have been two feet by four feet, right? They're heavy. And the hardy board is like concrete. It's like heavy, dude. And you got hanging them upside down. So I hired my buddy, dude, who needed a bunch of work. So he got paid. And he, and he took all his paycheck for that week in the middle of the job and just bought a bunch of Molly and disappeared on me on Monday. I showed up Monday to do that, finish the like work on, do this job. I had nobody to help me. I was like using two by fours to, oh, I was, I was so angry at this friend of mine, dude, but he split and took Molly and I tracked him down. It took me, I, I went on the hunt. I found this dude. I go, you're coming back to work and I'm pissed about it. And let me talk to you. But anyway, so that's a little further in the job. So, uh, yeah, he took his whole paycheck and bought Molly and just went. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that kid. But uh, so anyway, the boss on the second day of this job, right? I'm doing what I'm doing there. I think at that point I was hanging doors. I was, I was hanging doors. He comes in where I'm hanging doors in the back. And he's like, look, man. He's like, you're, you're still sober. I go, oh yeah, totally, dude. He's like, look, you know, I really needed you for this job. I, I go, I go, why, dude? Like, I know you really needed me for this job. What's going on, dude? He's like, look, dude, I got, I got a cocaine problem, dude. And I'm like, I'm like wow. Like I had this moment, I'm hanging this door. I'm like, wow, dude, this is what my sponsor always, to my spiritual advisor always talked about, dude. Like I'm here and this dude that's my that that I'm working for is like coming clean, and he's like, "Dude, I got a cocaine problem. I'm going home. My wife doesn't know. I do blow on the way home. It's a problem. I'm drinking. It's but it's the coke. I use the drink to cover my thing because I don't really drink, but I'm doing all this blow, and it's a real problem, dude. And I go, I go, wow, dude. Like, all right. I go, can we talk? Later, he's like, yeah. And we he lived right down the street from me at the time. That's right. He lived right down the street. That's why the car was totally available. Clara McGee, thank you. And so he, so I go and I meet him later. And, and we have this, these, these, I go, just tell me what's going on, man. What's up? Just give me the lowdown, dude. And you got to understand, like, I still do come from a real young guy perspective. So I'm talking to this dude who's, got all the toys and cars and houses and runs all these jobs. And it's like an adult, like he's like an adult, like, and I'm like, still like in my head, I'm still just some skateboarding surf rat, dude. Right. So I'm like, that's kind of trippy, dude. This dude's coming to me. Right. 
And so he's like, look, man, I've, I've watched you over the last couple years and, and I, I, I respect how you operate, dude. I, I get it, dude. He's like, I need some help. And he tells me what's going on. And I go, hey, look, man. And I go, and this is what I'm going to tell you about the cigarettes, the whole thing. And it took 30 minutes to get here, by the way. I go, I go, sobriety is this. It's realizing that the pants you're wearing are three sizes too small and you need to just get a pair of pants that fit you properly. He's like, he's like, it's that is, I go, yeah, that's it. Just your pants are too small. Call it the cocaine. It's like your pants are too small. You need a bigger set of pants to fit your life. That's what it is in a nutshell. And he's like, all right, dude, this dude, this dude, it's Six years later now, calls me out of the blue every now and then. Hey, man, just wanted to check in, see how you're doing. I just really want to thank you for that piece of advice you gave me that afternoon. It's changed my life, dude. I've never, I've never picked up again since. And it's that. It's so dumb, dumb, simple, dude, if you're willing to accept the message. This, see, this dude didn't need all of this. Like, did he get closer to God? I don't know. Did he stop doing blow behind his wife's back every day after work? Yeah, totally did. I said one sentence to the guy. Ah, it's just like getting a new pair of pants, dude. Your old pants don't fit, right? So I give, but I don't, I'm not operating in that, especially at that time. If you go back to those early, that's like, Smell the leather and all that stuff. That's my golden period of YouTube. It's why like, I'm at my clearest, I think. Because I had no obligations except to be of service. That's all I was doing was trying to be of service to my fellow human beings. I didn't have anything interfering with that, right? And, and because I understood that, that my primary purpose in life is to be of service to my fellow human beings and help other people achieve sobriety... It's very clear what what it is. So there's no accident. So when this dude asked me what it was, I wasn't talking from myself. Ah. I was being God's messenger to this dude. I didn't ask him for anything of it. I didn't I didn't do I didn't there was no strings attached to this deal, right? In fact, like it's one of those things. I need to call that dude right now. I get a full job, dude. Just like, yeah, dude, totally. Like, you know what I mean? So what I guess what I'm getting at is, I don't know how it works, but it does. But the key to it all is, is being of service and carrying the message, the primary purpose. So whatever your problem may be, you can solve your problem. Yeah, you can stop smoking cigarettes or eating Hershey's bars or gambling or porn or whatever it may be that's jamming you up. But if you don't use that knowledge of the process that alleviated said addiction and got you to God, you're not doing it because it's, that's what I get about it. It's like, it's easy to get off of drugs and alcohol or whatever your problem is. It's super hard to maintain and the main, the only way I know to maintain is to share my experience, strength, and hope. Be willing to pick up the phone. Be willing to stop everything and talk to some dude on the side of the road. 
being willing to go to some job, even though I didn't want to go to some job, you know what I mean? And be like, all right, like, okay, remember my primary purpose, my primary purpose, my primary purpose. And it's not like I like I run around like in some superhero cape on. It's that sometimes if I just get down to that nuts and bolts is that's my only mission in life is to go be of service. That's it. It's not to, not to take care of this or that or do this or that. It's just to go be of service. It really makes it super simple, super, super simple and super fun and an adventure, like an adventure you would never know until you've gone on the adventure yourself. So with that said, we're, we're kind of at the halfway point and at the halfway point, oh, I wanted to, I wanted to read a daily like reflection thing today, but, uh, We'll we'll do this. Let me just go to the chat and see where everybody chat see where we're at. Yeah, Coolio Coco. That was the, the year year two to two to year two to four is YouTube gold, man. For me, when I think that was when I was uh, uh Randall Pink can't watch tonight. That's too bad. Hardy board sucks to work with, dude. It's toxic, dude. It's concrete, man. You got to, and I don't wear, as as you can imagine, I don't wear protection, dude. I don't believe in it, dude. So, you know, sucking silica is probably concrete dust and whatever that is. It's probably bad. Um, Right on. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. Yo, how's it going? So anyone want to chime in, acknowledge some time, tell me where you're at with your own sobriety, Diamond Souls, all the way through, just to uh, help yourself. So anyone who's got something to help them get through the day without picking up or using, dude, my, David Brune, there's my buddy right there, dude. Mike Smith's got 22 days for me. Definitely felt temptation this week and had a real opportunity to get high, but I didn't, and I'm proud of myself. Good for you, man. It's it. You know, it's funny. Uh, David, who just top chatted, we we text. We're friends. We know we've known each. We've known each other. <laughs> we're we're buddies. We're we're soulmates, if you will, on the cosmic journey. We had a we had a cool thing talking the other day about how he stayed held the line, Diamond Souls, and you know miracles happen. It's uh, it's just all you got to do is not pick up or use today. Some days it's a battle day, you know. All right, let's see, dude. Here we got David Bruin. Look at look at look at what like this dude owns is like the dude who laddered me. So this the, a lot of these dates this time goes to him too, dude. Isaiah Approach has got. Uh, thir- 113 days, Brandon Wells, three weeks, August, two months, dude. Um, Orchard, one month, a week off Kratom that I thought wasn't bad since you can buy it. A week off that, I should talk more about the Kratom. 34 days from Marissa. Um, Riser is sober. Clinto is one hour, good for you. Pat, three years, dude. I like the one hour, dude. Good for you, dude. <laughs> All the day, man. Get it any way you can. And, uh, well, Rena, we all have, Rena, we all have various problems. Like I said, dude, Oreo cookies could be your problem, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's, look, uh, the problem is anything that's getting in the way between you and God. It could be bad relationships. A lot of people are addicted to, to trauma and 
pain and bad relationships, dude. That's why there's CODA, dude, for codependent people. Most people don't realize that, that, that one of the big problems they have is being codependent. And, and that's a human characteristic, but sometimes it gets jacked up real hard. And we tend to people, pick people that are really bad for us, dude. And that keeps us from being in God because we're in constant chaos with these people we pick. You know, it's, 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 that's why there's Al-Anon for people that choose to get involved with drug addicts and alcoholics that are stone cold sober because the drug addict and alcoholic is their crack pipe, dude. It, it's very like, life's very interesting when you, when you realize that everybody's got something, dude. And, and the closer you can get to it, the closer you can get to God, man. Uh, Rena, my little brother though is still really bad, really... Dude, I'll tell you this, Rena. You just you just walk in the grace. It's it's a, it's a, it's not promotion. It's a it's. I forget the the saying. I forget the bumper sticker, dude. It's a program of action, not promotion. You hold you hold their space, and you hold it with God, and you pray for them, and you're there and loving and kindness, and you let them fall on their face. Dude, you can't stop anyone from doing it, man. All you can do is be lovingly detached from their misery and, and be ready to pick them up when they finally come up from air. And a lot of people don't, man, which is a tragedy, dude. A lot of people don't, man. Um, uh, Samson, you're good, dude. You don't have to be sober to be here, dude. That's, that's the thing. Charlie, I'm an outpatient. Good for you, Charlie, dude. Don't be ashamed of your faith. That's for sure. Uh, I've quit so many times over the years, but now I've been taking way too much. The words will definitely be a toucher. Uh, I definitely crossed addiction, addicted to food on sex my first year. Now I'm focused on emotions. Uh, yeah, dude. Look, first year, dude, it's it's replacement therapy uh, on a lot of things. Yeah. Early sobriety, dude, bad relationships, bad food, bad coffee, bad cigarettes. And then you begin to clean up your life. I'll tell you what, man, for Pat, I remember I was coming back from a meeting with Joe. I think I was four months sober. And I'm like, you know what, man? Those people are drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes at those meetings. That stuff will kill you. It's poison. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're right about that, dude. He's like, but you know what? They're not going to die tonight. They're not going to get arrested for drinking too much coffee and smoking cigarettes. You will cross that bridge when the time is appropriate. Quitting too many things at once is a recipe for disaster. I'll tell you how I did it, man. I started out with the drugs and alcohol. I learned, I learned how to ask for help. I learned patience. I learned a lot of things about myself. And then about two and a half, two years into it almost is when it was time to stop smoking cigarettes and return back to my natural state as a non-smoker. Someone gave me the Alan Carr book. A dude named Charlie gave me an Alan Carr book. I read it. I put my last cigarette out. I've never picked one up since. I gave caffeine a gnarly whirl. I lasted about a year. Failed that one. I've, I've, five years into it, I started with the food thing. You couldn't, you, in early sobriety, all I had was ice cream, dude, and Oreo cookies and Totino's pizza. 
You know what I mean? Like you, like there's these people that are like, I'm going to get sober and change my diet too. Like that's crazy talk. Just, just work on getting sober first. You can work on the food stuff and the sex stuff. Just as long as it doesn't get you to get loaded. That's, that's the gig. Like that's why they, they recommend that you don't go hopping into a relationship in that first year of sobriety, but everyone does it. You know, if you'd be, you'd be better than me if you could, you could avoid jumping on a hand grenade, dude. But you know, if it, if you don't get loaded, it's, it's just a learning experience, dude. And, um, ah, I get it, Rena. I get it, dude. You, you Hamish lead me back to the rooms, dude. Go get them, dude. They're right there. They're waiting for you, man. Uh, you're off of caffeine. I cracked down in Chile, dude. The caffeine was the brutal one, dude. Dude. Because that was like early sobriety. Like, I think I was about three years in. I Everything in my life revolved around coffee. Everything, dude. Was just trips to coffee shops. Hanging out at coffee shops. Drinking coffee all day long, all day long. And then when I finally had enough, it was the most brutal. Like... Getting sober almost was easier than getting off a of coffee because it had so many social components and it was such a pattern of my day and it was very, it was brutal, dude. And then I eventually, I lasted about a year and I broke down in, in Chile. It's a it's one of those things, dude. I drank one like weird Chilean energy drink and then that was it, dude. I've been drinking caffeine ever since, dude. But I'll tell you what, life without caffeine was really good, dude. I, I It's actually something worth looking at again now that I'm talking about it. Like, my wife gave up the drinking coffee like five months ago, dude. It, it's that thing, dude. If you can do it, don't ever look back, man. Don't ever look back, dude. Um, it seems like most people need a crutch. Well, that's what God's for. God's supposed to be the crutch. That That's ultimately what, the right? That's... That's what turning your will and your life over to the care of God as you understood, as we understood him is, right? God's your crutch. That's why it's super important to admit that you're powerless and your life's unmanageable and you're crazy, right? It is so that you can give your life over to God and let God run the show. Let God be the crutch. Let God be the steering wheel. Let God be the wings to the airplane. Let God run the whole show, dude. The sooner you do that, the sooner it's this weird thing. The sooner you admit your powerlessness and your unmanageability, the quicker you get it back because God is the power, right? It's it's this weird thing. It's, it is the Chinese finger torture, right? Like the minute you stop fighting it like and let God run the show, it, it's all glory after that, dude. The love God has for us is unfathomable, unfathomable, dude, beyond our, con and we constantly gum it up, dude, constantly gum it up. Oh, I think about, I think about just gumming it up today, dude. Gum, I gummed it up today, dude. You know what I mean? It just always just, nah. But again, God acts is here right now. We're here with God in this very space because I'm not substituting drugs and alcohol for the uncomfortability of life. You know, thank you, Rob. And um, it's baffling. Yeah. 
it, it, and again, is is it's a daily reprieve, right? I, I wake up in the morning, dude, like, look, I, I'll, the interesting thing about the human condition and the unmanageability is this, right? The powerlessness and the unmanageability. Think of this. When you think about how many good ideas and fired up on something you've been like going like before you go to bed, like, oh, I'm going to get up tomorrow, dude, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to build a space shuttle. I'm going to, you know, print, I got ideas. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, nah, I'm not going to do any of that. I forgot half of what I wanted to do. I don't really feel up to it. Maybe you do. Maybe you get up and, and swing for the fences that day. Like I've found that like, that's why I tend to stay up pretty late at night. I know that like the next morning's a crapshoot. Like I don't have the, so what I'm getting at is with the man, unmanageability and the powerless. I do not have the ability to manage the human being that goes to sleep and the human being that wakes up. And I can't get those two pieces to connect. The, the timeline is broken. So every day I get up, I have to understand that the dude with all the like, yeah, who went to bed, dude, standing foot. Thank you. Thank you. The dude who went to bed, it was like, yeah, dude, like, oh, dude, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to, God, I'm sober and I'm this and I'm that and I'm on fire. Bah. Wakes up in the morning and it's, I don't have the power and it's, I'm unmanageable. So, and I'm talking to myself right now. I got to go right to God. I've been super slacker about getting up first thing in the morning and going right to God. Just go right to God, dude. And just be like, God, oh, I forgot the serenity prayer. I knew I forgot something here. We'll do it right now. We'll do it twice. We'll do it once and another one in 10 minutes. Because, right, I got to go to right to God first thing in the morning, right? In the easiest one is serenity. Where God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Right? Since you were young, you always reminded me of Spicoli. Yeah. You know. I, I play that part. <laughs> If it's my time and it's your time, isn't it our time? And uh, yeah, uh, some great wisdoms there. And uh, I got to I got to finish up the story, dude, tomorrow night, dude. I kind of left everyone hanging last Thursday. Yeah, orchard him. Yeah, and and the other ninety eight million other people. Yeah, I get it. God offered myself thee to build with me and do with that me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may do thy will. True, Richie B. Thank you. Take away my difficulties that the victory over them may bear witness to those I'd help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. Third step prayer is a beautiful one, ma'am. Michael's going to quit the dab pen, dude. Return to your natural state as a non-dabber, dude. That Those dabs and stuff, man, that's gnarliness and um and yeah dude it's look it's it's challenging but it's super simple and again it i don't like there was someone on here it's like i got an hour look if you truly want to get with god and get over your addictions your shadows your picadellos your problems your whatever it is the simplest way to do it is to really be of service. So, right, like, 
And I had to learn this. Sometimes people, I think people think that being of service is this grand, grand thing. Look, every one of you, all 89 of you who are on this live stream right now are by default being of service to me. You aren't here. I don't have anyone to talk to. I don't have anyone to be of service to, right? It's a symbiotic relationship. And, and, and it's super important that, that those who are new to this game understand that the simply asking for help is being of service to another human being. And I don't think that that's truly understood in our society and early recovery is to ask for help is the key to it all. Because that is the removal of, of the pride, the ego, all of those, those bedevilments that get in your way, right? Because to ask for help is to truly do what God needs you to do is admit that you don't have the power. That you need something bigger than yourself to answer the question, solve the problem, cure the riddle, dude, right? And so when you ask someone for help, and it might be, hey, I need, I need you to, might be I need you to show up for a job, right? You give everybody a chance to operate in God's grace, right? You, get, you give that person a chance to show up for themselves and you. See, like when you ask someone for help, right? The first person that has to show up is the person you're asking for help. And then they get to show up for you. So you're making them by default. Thank you, Isaiah Approach. We are fully self-supporting through our own contributions. That is true, dude. We have all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Truth be that. Uh, yeah, I tell God I'm broken all the time too. And in that I'm, in that I'm healed, you know? So I guess what I'm getting at is, is, is most people don't understand. And, and I remember Joe ta taught me this thing early on, dude. And, and maybe Joe and David said this to me that first night. Because I was like, oh, thanks, or the second night or whatever, like, thanks for helping me. And they're like, no, dude, like, you're going to help us more than we're, we can help you. And I, it takes you a while to understand that, that you asking for help helps the person you're asking for help more than the person who's asking for help. It's trippy how it works, dude, is, is if no one asks me for help, I don't get to be of service, if that makes sense, right? Like I got to be willing to be service. I got to put it out that I'm willing to do God's service and, and be of service, right? It, it, because that's the spiritual awakening, right? It says so in, in the 12th step, dude. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs, right? In all of our affairs. And so it's that thing where, where if nobody asks me to be of service, it's, it, it makes it that much more challenging to be of service, but I have to go out into the world. I have to be of the world to, to be able to do God's work, right? Like that's the interesting thing with the hermit in the cave, right? Like I, I can get sober, right? And I can be a, 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 a hermit in a cave about it. I can be all anonymous and shield it off from the world and go about my business and call my sponsor and do all that stuff. 
But really, I got to be of the world. I don't need to be in it. I don't need to be at the bar getting pickled and at the liquor store buying booze and all that stuff. But I have to be out in the world so that I can be of service so that somebody can look at me and go, dude, I see a sparkle in your eye. Are you a sober dude? And I go, yeah, I'm a sober dude. Will you help me? Because if David and Joe aren't in front of the liquor store buying milk that night, parked crooked, out in the world, I don't have anyone to ask help from. You get what I'm saying? Like, if they weren't out in the world, I don't have anyone to ask help from, right? But they weren't of the world. In the world or of the world. Because they were super sober spiritual dudes, man, on the path, dude. And so, again, it's, 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 it's a very symbiotic relationship when you get to understand it. So I would just suggest anyone out there, as we're coming to the end, don't hesitate to call if you're suicidal. Please don't hesitate to call a suicide prevention line. They're, they're, to dial it, type it in, and ask someone for help. Because the people that are on the other end of that phone, you're helping them. I'm telling you, anyone sitting on the other end of a suicide prevention hotline wants to be of help. They want to be of service. That's why they're there. I don't think many people are operating suicide prevention phone lines because they don't care. They want to be in the game. They want to be part of your solution. Same thing with alcoholics, same thing with drug addicts. Wherever you are in the United States of America, you can type in your city central office AA. A number will appear on your screen. Call that number. There is some person like me, some woman like me, some dude like me that's different than me, but they share the common bond that they want to be of service to you. If you don't call them, you're denying their ability to be of service, dude. And that's what I would say is the most selfish thing you can do as a human being is not ask another human being for help. And, and I've had to learn that in sobriety the hard way, dude. That's why I tell the story of the of the great of Terra Cruiser One, dude. And 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 the whole thing is like every time I've asked someone for help, not only have they been willing to help me they have been willing to shine in the glory of God because they want to help. You get like, once we've gotten over the triflings of this lower dimensional reality, you're generally asking for help from people that want to help. You know, this isn't like, this isn't like posting, hey, will you come move my furniture? I'm moving. That's a, that's a different story, dude. <laughs> On a final note, I might one of my, one of the tribe I saw on his Instagram. He had posted a picture of his Facebook post or something, and it was like, "Hey, I'm moving, and I, can all my friends come and help me?" And he had posted it because, and, and I looked and like there was zero, no likes, no nothing. It was just goose eggs and crickets all over the place, and I was laughing. I'm like, "Yeah, dude." Hire a moving company, dude. By the way, that's one of the things you will learn in sobriety is to hire people to do stuff that you normally slave to do, dude. It's cheaper in the long run. It seems like it's expensive to hire a moving company until you're trying to stuff mattresses and armoires in the back of your pickup truck or your Toyota Corolla or whatever it is and doing 50 trips across town, dude. Just hire the dudes. They put the plastic on the floor. They put the little things on their shoes and they box it all up and they move your stuff. But when you get sober, you stop taking on the world 
by yourself. You begin to realize that it's a community, it's a team sport, and sometimes that team sport is just hiring professionals to come and do it for you because that's what a sober person does, dude. Do you get you get what I'm saying? Like everyone I just hire the moving company, man. Trust me, my wife taught me that one on our last move, dude. <laughs> Trust me, I, I was like, no. And then I watched the moving dudes, man. She's like, no, I'm hiring a moving company. Kick rocks, dude. And I'm like, nah, dude, we don't, I'm not hiring a moving company. I just stopped nine years sober, dude. Just a couple years ago, right? Um, uh, I'm like, thank you, Thut42. I'm like, we're not hiring. She's like, yeah, we're hiring a moving company. And then 